my name's Tyler. Um, I preach here sometimes, so I guess you can think of me as like a third string preacher here at Bethany or so. I like it. I love it. It's the best. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. Just talk about Jesus with you guys. Cause I mean, that's really all I can do. Just talk about Jesus and what he's done in my life. So I can tell you what he can do in your life and what he's done in your life. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite things to do. And if you're new here and this is like your first time, I want to welcome you and thank you for coming. Um, it's such an honor to have you here. When there's so many other churches in the valley that are faithfully preaching the word, you chose to come here and uh, we welcome you because uh, we're a family here and we, we love those people that are, that are seeking um, Jesus. And this is a safe place for you to wrestle with big questions, with uh, big ideas and concerns to just wrestle with those things. Um, but I want to begin our time here this morning with um, a posture of humility and a heart of prayer. Because nothing I say uh, or nothing we sing about or the words that we say really mean anything if Jesus isn't like the center of everything that we're talking about right here. And I want to pray that into existence this morning. So if you could bow your heads with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, oh, we praise you. Heavenly Father, you are good, you are powerful, and you are almighty. Your love is so present and so moving. I pray that we can grasp that. I pray that we can even just touch that this morning. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice of dying on the cross and loving us beyond our understanding. And Holy Spirit, lead this conversation this morning. Holy Spirit, be everything that we are moved by. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all his people said, amen. So, so what did we just do? What just happened? It's not a, it's not a trick question. We, we prayed, right? We prayed. And as I was speaking about God and as I was speaking to God, we, we all within our quiet thoughts and within our listening, we collectively were unified in praising God together. So, like something incredible just happened when we prayed together. Sometimes we overlook it. It's an amazing thing, prayer. We prayed. It's wonderful. And actually, uh, just now, um, kicked off by yours truly, I'm going to be, we're starting up a new mini-series um, that's going to go through now until past, a little bit past Easter. It's called Pray This Way, and it's focused on what we, what we know as uh, what's called the Lord's Prayer. And it's, uh, it's titled Pray This Way. Pray This Way. And we find that there's actually two versions of the Lord's Prayer that's found in Scripture, right? So there's one that's found in the Gospel of Matthew, and then there's one that's found in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, for the purpose of our vision for the series, we're, we're actually going to be working through the one that's found in the uh, Gospel of Matthew. It's not out of favoritism. It's not out of like more inspiration out of that one. It just has the content that just allows for us to expositionally or verse by verse go through it and worship through it uh, together as a church. And uh, so we're in Matthew. It's going to be in chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. And uh, we, I know we say this almost every week, but if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you the Bible that's uh, either in front of you or next to you or whatever. Um, we want you to keep that Bible as a gift, and I want you, we want you to read it. We want you to be challenged by what it has to say and the words that are in it, because we take it seriously. We take the Bible seriously, because it's important. Matthew 4, 4 actually states, uh, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and this is a reminder that we need his word more than we need the air that we breathe. And, and that's true this morning, and it's going to be true every day that we're living. 
So we're in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. Um, let's, uh, let's pray the prayer in, in, in its entirety. Let's read through it all the way. And then we can sort of backtrack on what I want to focus on this morning. So if you guys want to read together with me, go a little bit slow so we can uh, understand it. So let's begin. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And uh, some early manuscripts add, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's a beautiful prayer. It's, It's incredible. I was actually never really all that good at praying. I'm still not, really. Um... The good news is that it doesn't really matter how I can, uh, like, articulate the condition of my heart. Because, I mean, God doesn't need us to describe parts of our lives lives that he's already well aware of. And uh, he's not really, like, sitting on the edge of his throne, like, waiting to hear about some new and improved struggle you're about to go through or something. He already knows your heart. See, I always thought praying was a reflection of how well you know God or how well you know about God. I mean, the more you know, the more powerful your prayer, right? Not right. I, um, I studied theology in college, which is in its simplest form, just I studied Jesus. I studied God. Uh, I took uh, church history. I took systematic theology one. I took systematic theology two. I took Greek one, Greek two. Uh, well, I guess I can't really say I took Greek because Greek tends to like take you, like take the soul right out of you. <laughs> it's so hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, But I loved it. But the entire time I was taking them, I was under the impression that the more I know about God, the better off I'd be with how I pray or the better off I'd be with how I preach or minister. I suppose I really just confused sanctification with self-improvement. In other words, I I confused like God-led spiritual maturity with other people-led spiritual envy. I saw what other people had. I saw this knowledge that all these other people had. And I was like, oh, I want that. I want to be smart. I want to be able to win a conversation when we're talking about Jesus with someone. But the thing is, is that like crumbles when it comes to like really hard situations in your life. So when you actually need Jesus and these like huge ideas will help sometimes. But in the reality of it, we need those simple truths of the gospel to permeate in all parts of our lives. So we're able to love others unconditionally. And uh, I, uh, don't get me wrong, theology, I think, is one of the most amazing disciplines. I think it's one of the most incredible things that someone can pursue um, academically. But like every good thing, I turned it into a bad thing, right? And uh, when I was a senior in college, I was struggling with a multiple of things. And uh, loneliness was one of them, anxiety, um, isolation, and I remember there was a moment when I was like so overwhelmed with my classes and my work and my overly busy schedule. And I was just sitting there. I, I put down my, my Greek flashcards and I put down all my textbooks and I put, picked up the Bible and I was overwhelmed with how unfamiliar the Bible was to me. 
I was so unfamiliar with what it was and what it meant to be, went to, meant to me. And I was looking at it, I had nothing to say. I had no prayers to pray. I had no thoughts to think. So I just wept because it broke my heart. I was terrified that at the fact that when I knelt down to pray, I had nothing to say. I had no words to speak. But let me tell you something that, that changed my life in that moment, though. One of the best prayers that you could ever pray is, Lord, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. That's something he can work with. That's a great prayer. At least it's honest. Sometimes when, when the only words that we can speak that come out of our mouths is, I need help, our, our words are actually like finally reflecting the condition of our hearts. I need help. I need help, Jesus. I need you. I need a savior, Jesus. We're actually reflecting the way our heart always is. It's honest. That's a prayer that Jesus works wonders with because guess what? He, he responds to this prayer of ours in, in Matthew 6 with the Lord's Prayer when he says, pray then like this. Our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The rest of our time here spent this morning will be uh, on this verse, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and there are three central truths that, uh, we that I found in this passage that I think can really uh, pertain to our prayer life and what can really fuel it. Uh, the first in which I want to look at is uh, the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer that reflects a posture of humility. I once heard, maybe uh, you have as well, uh, that the Lord's Prayer is, in fact, a declaration of dependence. A declaration of dependence. See, it's not like what we know, the declaration of independence, declaration of dependence. Pretty tricky, right? Uh, I'm not that clever. I didn't make it up. I'm not that clever. But it's, it's so cool. It really is. It's a declaration of dependence. The point is that the first action for us to take when praying to the God of the universe, the Almighty God, is to recognize where you stand in relation to Him. Actually, not even like where you stand, where you bow in relation to Him, because standing's not much of an option at this point. First Peter uh, 5, verses 6 through 7 state this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Tim Keller, um, one of my favorite pastors, he, uh, he states this in his little book called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And I just love that title, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. It's a super short book. I encourage you to read it. And he's writing about the teachings of the Apostle Paul on humility. And I want you to pay close attention to the language that Keller's using and the, um, the terminology that he's going to be using in this. And he says this, Gospel humility is not needing to think about myself. Gospel humility is not needing to think about myself. Not needing to connect things with myself. It is an end to thoughts such as, I'm in this room with these people. Does that make me look good? Do, do I want to be here? True gospel humility means I stop connecting every experience, every conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself altogether. The freedom of self-forgetfulness. The blessed rest that only self-forgetfulness brings. 
True gospel humility means an ego that is not puffed up, but filled up, that is totally unique. Are we talking about high self-esteem? No. Is it, is it low self-esteem? Certainly not. It, it's not about self-esteem. Paul simply refuses to play that game. He says, I don't care about your opinion, but I don't care that much about my opinion, and that's the secret. A truly gospel, humble person is not a self-hating person or a self-loving person, but a gospel, humble person. The truly gospel, humble person is a self-forgetful person. And in saying this, he's in short describing a gospel-centered approach to how we can go about praying with humility. And that leads us to our next point, uh, that number two is the Lord's prayer is a heart cry to our Father. Let me ask you a question. Um, who, who was God before you knew him as father? Was he God the policeman? Was he God the good moral teacher? Or God like your buddy? See, the, the concept of God being father is, is like so, so radical as far as religions go. Um, see, the God of the Bible is triune in nature. You know, the Trinity. We have God the Father, um, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit three in one, three members that make up one God, none greater than the other, none lesser than the other, but together making a divine and perfect union as God. And and I think what's most important is that we grasp the identity of God the Father this morning, especially within this passage, and that we understand how intense and how uh, meaningful it is when Jesus prays our Father. He says, our father, not the father, not my father, not, not his father, not her father, but he says, our father. Do, do you know why he says our father? It's not, it's not a mistake. In, in those two words, the entire scope of what it means to be adopted into God's family is defined. This idea of adoption into his family. Jesus says, our family, because he is saying that that through faith in him, we're no longer children of wrath, right? That we're we're no longer enslaved to the sin that has caused separation between him and us. That through his work on the cross, we're no longer defined by that which God hates. And the, tom, the, or the term father has uh, many implications. I mean, being adopted by the heavenly father means your family. Your, your family to the God of life. To the creator God. You're also loved. You're loved beyond human understanding. Now, it's not like that fake sore love, like I love, like, uh, I don't know, sun chips or something like that. Uh, It is a real love that is self-sacrificial. It's selfless. It's the kind of love that actually changes things. And it's the kind of love that Jesus displayed on the cross when he died for actually every one of you. It's that sort of love. And you are loved beyond human understanding. But you're also wanted. You're wanted. You're desired. When the whole world would have nothing to do with you, has no desire to have anything to do with you, you're actually wanted. You're wanted. And at that point, you belong. There's a place set for you at his dinner table. And this is just a metaphor, but it's set for you with an abundant feast of life and love and is a place for you within his family at his table. 
and you're also protected. And you're provided for, not with just earthly needs, um, but with, you're provided for with a work that we could never finish ourselves. With a sort of uh, saving grace that we can never conjure up on our own. He gives this to us because we obviously can't do it on our own. And it also means you're welcomed home. And that part actually just reminds me of the story of the prodigal son and uh, where the father sees his son in the distance that says, that's betrayed him, that's uh, spoken poorly of him, that's lived every earthly pleasure that he could possibly think of and had nothing to do, had no desire to have anything to do with his father. But the father sees him in the distance. And in fact, uh, the story tells us that his, his father, he, he hiked up his pants or his like, his tunic, his robe, and he pulls it up and he straight line sprints to his son. And in that culture, pulling up your pants and showing your legs at all was absolutely humiliating. It was absolutely frowned upon. So when he pulled up the father, when he pulled up his pants and he did that so that he could sprint to the child, he was humiliated, but he didn't care because he saw his child in need and he pursued him without any looking any other way except for his. And Jesus does that. He was humiliated on the cross. He was hated on the cross. But he didn't care because he knew what it would, take, what ha- what it would have to take to reach out to those in need and to reach out to those that needed to be saved. And that list can go on and on because Scripture over and over tells us how, how good our Heavenly Father is. And I think that I would actually add one more word to the list. Forgiven. We, we're forgiven you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You're forgiven. John 1.12 uh, states, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And First uh, John 2, 1-2 states this, my, uh, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation or the, the substitute for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. How crazy is that? Not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the entire world. In the words of uh, theologian J.I. Packer, he, uh, he states this, what is a Christian? The, the question can be answered in many ways. But the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as father. This leads us to the third truth that I want to see in this passage is that the Lord's prayer glorifies God in a mighty way. The final part of the verse uh, states, uh, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. In other words, he's saying, may your name be above all other names. So at this point in the prayer, we've uh, already bowed down to God in a posture of humility, placing uh, his glory and his praise completely on him. And we've reflected on the fact that we're welcomed into the Father's family through Christ dying on the cross. And now we're brought back by his captivating and awe-inspiring presence. It's as if this was the reason we were created, right? To be brought back by this presence, to be in communion with this presence, uh, to rest in our blessed assurance of faith. 
in Jesus and ultimately brought back, brought back into the fullness of his presence. So I, I, what I want to do for this last part of the message is uh, just get real practical. Uh, I want to know how my prayers can be meaningful and honoring to God in every moment. So, so the first thing I want to consider that we want to consider when we're desiring to live in a reality of prayer is ask yourself this, what distracts me? What is it in my life that's taking my attention away from praying altogether or even pray, like while I'm praying, right? What distracts you? Is it, is it your phone? Um, like having to have like this social anxiety of only, always being in contact with the people around you, getting their affirmation or their thoughts and that, that sort of connection. Is it social media where you always have to get likes and you get your pop notification or tweet something? I don't have a Twitter, so I don't really know. Um, but you get it and you, you know, your attentions are completely drawn to it. You could be doing anything in the world and you see, hear your phone beep and then you just pull it out of your pocket and look at it. What about your insecurity? Like not thinking your prayer is worth listening to at all. And I know for me, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate. It was school and work, which are good things, but I was distracted by them. Selfishness is a big one. Uh, and overall, like obsession uh, of your needs before the needs of other people. I think this is the big one, self-image. I, I, I was once told, uh, never allow yourself to spend more time looking at yourself in the mirror, getting ready for church, than the time spent listening to the preached word of God. And when I heard that, my heart was like, <gasps> I, I don't know how much time, like I've been looking, I've been like so concerned about the way I look that my, mind, my heart and my mind aren't even in the right place when I actually come to the service Never allow yourself to spend more time looking at yourself in the mirror, getting ready for church, than the time spent listening to the preached word of God. And why does this matter? It matters because over time, we can uh, become poisoned with this mindset that the way people see us, that the way people accept us, is going to have the final say on how we live our lives. But guess what? I promise you that it's not going to have the final say. I promise you that the way people think about you, the way that people see you, is not going to be the final um, product of you. I promise you that Jesus has already had the final say about who you are. And, and he calls you worthy. And, and he calls you uh, loved. He, and the Father calls you his. No other name but his. And whatever distraction it may be in your life, the reality, the reality of it is, is that these things are hindering our ability to be in communion with our Heavenly Father. And they have to be dealt with. We have to find ourselves living in this reality of prayer because the world tells us to look this way or to look a certain way or to um, go this way, to think this way. So, so what are some ways that we can live in a reality of prayer? I think the first thing that we can do is be in constant prayer. It's one of the most straightforward examples because if you want to live a life of prayer, um, you're going to have to pray often and frequently. Um, and, I don't, and I don't mean like, like mumbling to yourself in like the uh, grocery store. So you're going to start freaking people out. Um, just be in your, <laughs> in your mind um, praying for those people. 
or praying for someone that you know that's hurting. And it may not even be like speaking words into your mind. It may just be reflecting on the truths of Jesus. Uh, Jesus Christ, actually, he teaches us to pray through his word through the same way that he teaches his disciples, which leads us to the second point. Prayer with the scriptures. Pray with the scriptures. Our, Our prayers should arise out of full immersion from the word of God. Out of full immersion, it comes out, and that's where it should be based on. Like in the book of Psalms, we see King David or uh, the other Israelites uh, praying out to God in times of need and in times of uh, praise when things are going awesome. They're praising Jesus. That's an awesome resource for us to know how to pray to the God of the universe. He gives us, he gives us not specific words to pray, Um, but he gives us a specific way in which we can orient our hearts so that when we pray, we're listened to and that we're glorifying God and we're becoming more like him. The third thing is uh, pray with people. Pray with people. Pray with other believers. Again, Jesus uh, gave us the Lord's prayer with every one of his followers in mind. It's harder to get distracted when you're not alone, right? For me, at least, uh, with my phone and stuff, I start looking at it when I'm alone and I get, I get a little distracted. But when I'm with someone else and we have the goal of seeking Jesus together, there's not really anything that can distract us aside from, I mean, there's nothing really else. So pray with one another. Encourage one another. Tell someone about something you need prayer over. Christ promises his provision. He he promises his presence when two or three are gathered together. Seek him together. And the fourth and uh, final thing is pray the gospel over and over to yourselves. Pray it over and over. If If you have not a single word to say, remind yourself of the simple truths of the gospel. That that you are forgiven. That, That you're no longer defined by the fingers that are pointing at you. That through faith in Jesus, we, we may have eternal life and eternal communion with uh, the Father, Son, and Spirit. The gospel will never run out of power. It's never going to run out of power. It's never going to be out of reach. You're never going to be out of reach from the gospel. And he clothes us in his righteousness. And how does he do this? He does it at an infinite cost. He gave everything so that we may have him which is better than everything. And Jesus goes to the cross when he had every right to just allow us to pay for the penalty of sin, which is death. He had every right to allow us to do that. But he's not going to. He was compassionate and he loved us. So he sent his son Jesus to go die at the cross. And the story doesn't end there because next week we're going to be celebrating something incredible. Is that he was resurrected and that he rose again. And it's an amazing story, but it's also an amazing reality for us to be living in. We are so blessed and we're so loved. And if you have never even heard the gospel, I just want you to know that you are so loved. That you're so, you're worth so much. And we love you. Jesus loves you more than you can understand. But if you uh, haven't reminded yourself again for the one millionth time that you're loved, 
Do that again this morning. Do that again this morning. It's worth doing every single day. It's worth thinking about every single day, knowing how much you are loved and how much that love can flow through you and change the world around you. Because I don't know about you guys, but uh, I've watched the news lately and the world really needs some sort of love that's going to like, provide hope to people. It's going to need some sort of love that's going to help people because there's too much hate. And Jesus has a lot to say about hate and he's done already a lot to defeat hate. So I ask you, for the first or for the hundredth or millionth or whatever time, turn back to him. Recognize him as your Lord and as your Savior. And uh, during, during our reflection and worship time at the end, I just want to encourage you guys to just pray about who Jesus is to you and how that relationship moves you closer and more like him. Uh, we're going to have people up here praying. Um, so if you want to uh, be prayed over or just, just talk about something in your life, uh, we'd love to pray with you. But uh, my, I guess my exhortation to you or my plea for you guys is to live in a reality of prayer and be persistent in it. Be faithful in it. Uh, it's worth it. And, and just know that he's listening. Let's, let's pray together right now. Father God, uh, we are we are so amazed by you. I, I pray that we can desire to know you more. I pray that we can be in your word and learn your truths so that we can be more like you. Jesus, so that we can love the people around us and by that love, they will know you. I pray that when we are all alone, that you remove any distraction from how you are going to move through us in prayer. And I pray for this time of worship that we can honestly say either, I need you, Jesus, or I need a savior, Jesus, I pray that, that our hearts can flow out of that truth, that we need you. And I thank you for this time. Praise you, Jesus. Amen.